this is part of my healing. But I also want to help other men be set free yes. and learn to tell their stories. And so God literally puts me between these two blocks and says, you've got pressure from the false self, the old you. And there's pressure to step into new territory that feels uncomfortable for you and be the leader because you don't trust yourself to facilitate and love other people well. You're just going to have to trust me and you're going to have to speak courageously in this circle of men. And when I have the courage to do that, I find a piece of my heart that I did not know was there. Friends, welcome back to part two of this conversation with Jay and Brian and an invitation to light a fire. We're jumping right into a powerful real story from a fire in Emmett, Idaho. Let's dive in. What we often see around a fire, and I want to encourage anybody that wants to start a fire who's thinking about it, like when you trust God, God does show up for his sons. And what do I mean by that is um, an example about one of our fires that um, a, a man came to our fire. He hadn't come very often. He, he came once every two, three months. And when he showed up, he, he showed bits and pieces of his story that is very heavy trauma. It had it had, to, it had to deal with finding a family member who had committed suicide. It was awful. And it's very emotional to bring up. But I bring it up because when a man comes to the fire and is vulnerable and brings something very traumatic up like this, and then God shows up, it looks like this. There was another man in that fire who five years previous had already walked through the same exact situation of finding a family member who had committed suicide. That second man had found resources, had found hope, had found counselors, had found healing. And he was on the other side of that trauma, although very hurtful to talk about and emotional. He, he was healing. He was healed. And at that fire, because that first man decided to share, God orchestrated. He showed up with the other man who already walked through him, who had already walked through that whole deal, the whole journey of healing from finding those family members. And that, that man got around the first man, said, hey, me too. Put his arm right around his shoulders, said, I'm here for you. I've been there. I've gone there. And you're not alone. That's what God does around fire. And the second one, the second thing, a second example of how God works around fires, that it's only him, is that a pair of fathers and sons came to uh, a fire a few months ago. They haven't been back since. It was just orchestrated. It was just ordained. And we went around and did a check-in. And one of the sons came to the barn, and he got up, and he was only 18 or so, and he decided to share. And the sons talked about how he was healed from a major, major drug addiction, something that it, it only by the grace of God almost impossible to heal from and it was very heroic to share his story in front of guys he doesn't know and older men and guys with huge beards and he's the he's the young buck and he went there we wonder what's that have to do with a father well in that same meeting in that same fire across the fire was a father who'd come in the circle over and over and over again month after month looking for hope because he has a son that's just addicted to drugs and is hopeless. And because that uh, 18-year-old stood up and shared his story, the, the addiction that he overcame, the celebration that he was now having, and the healing and the victory, that father who came month after month after month has hope. Realize that he's not alone. And that the Father God 
manifested himself in an 18-year-old to show up and to love him in his hurt, in his journey, and where he was sitting around a fire. So you think, well, what's, why should I start a fire? Or why does it matter? You guys matter. You get to bring the kingdom. And God, God shows up. And it matters. And there's hope that's, that can only be given away in this type of setting where stories are exchanged and hope is given away. Friends, that's what God's like. Brian, thank you for that story. And Jay, welcome back for another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast where we are diving into the why the how, the what, behind stories like that. We're diving into part two of a series on these fires that have been set ablaze in communities by like-hearted allies that are living in this message all around the globe. As we talked about in episode one, Jesus has a wild, provocative, and personal invitation to his sons where he says, I am authorizing you to go out and change the world, to set the table, to prepare a feast. You don't have to go to a far off land. You simply have to gather a few, gather the ones right in front of you, the ones that are lost, confused, right here in your neighborhood. Tell the men the kingdom is at hand. You don't have to do a big fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a bunch of equipment. You are the equipment. Travel light. You're the equipment. Friends, it was Jesus that gave the first invitation to build a fire, gather men, create an environment that's story is king, humility is central, that you honor men, that you give hope to hopeless. And it's all energized by the life of God himself. We want to jump into a part two where we're unpacking the stories behind these initiatives that we're naming fires from around the globe. Being Sons and Fight Club has launched it in San Antonio. And from them, others have happened around the world. Brian Bird and the team at Wild Courage have launched fires in Emmett, Idaho. And others have spawned from them in Wyoming and other places. So welcome to another episode. And Brian, Jay, welcome back. What I love about the stories and that God is able to minister and teach and counsel and encourage other men through the stories of other guys. Some of our stories, there's, there's redemption. Let me tell you the story of what God's been doing, you know, and then other guys, their stories are just they're tough. They're, they're in the middle of it, and they are desperately searching for God. And one of the things that the Lord has, uh, over the last couple of years, has begun leading me to do is after a man's finished, is to ask the question, so based on your story that you and God have been walking through, if you were to give God a name, what name would that be? And I'm kind of trying to tap into when Jesus was outside Caesarea Philippi and he turns to Peter and he says, um, you know, based on the years that we've been walking, who do you say that I am? Mm -hmm. And Peter names God based on that story. And he says, blessed are you because this was not revealed to you by flesh. This was revealed to you by God. And what we're searching for is is for us as a company of men to be able to help a man name who God has been. And another great question is if a man's still in the middle of it and he can't see the redemption, he can't see where God is in it. It's just a really honest question is who do you need God to be, Mm. you know, in this. And I, and I find that I, I love that. It's very, very honoring. And it gives a man the opportunity to take all of the mess and the madness of his story and refocus on God who's going to do something with it. And then in the company of other men who can stand in agreement and say, I see that in you. 
I see that. That's real. You know, like you said, Morgan, we need witnesses to our story. And, uh, you know, that's another one of the in, in, invaluable benefits of, of walking with a company of people. There's healing that can only take place in the company of other men. Mm-hmm. It cannot. There are certain traumas, especially traumas of lack growing up. Mm-hmm. There's the traumas where we were perp- perpetrated upon, and um, you know some of the some of the more recent research shows that, uh, you know, if if you've been bullied or raped or um, abused physically, that you can have some experiences like healing prayer experiences where huge amounts of healing can happen in a moment, uh, but for those who've been starved of attention, love, dignity, respect, time, who have felt overlooked their whole lives, who have been starving spiritually and mentally, the, the solution and the healing comes in and the transformation comes from two essential pieces. One of them is identity. And the second is a place where you feel like you belong, a loving community. Right. Mm-hmm. So after seven years, I have seen men who have gone to conferences, boot camps, um, become good soils, other places. And all of those had a tremendous impact. It's given them some vocabulary, but it's there once a month showing up, telling their story, learning how to quit faking it, becoming real allowing other people to see the darkness of their story. I mean, every guy kind of has, you know, episode one, the, the new hope, and then there's the empire strikes back in their story. And then there's, you know, hopefully the return of the Jedi where every guy finds their heroic self. We're walking guys through the whole trilogy of that. And that takes some commitment to one another. And it doesn't require that a man packages up his story with a bow and says, everything's great. And the guy who does that tends to be the guy who's posing that we can pull aside later on and say, what's really going on with you? Yeah. You know? So like you were saying, Brian, problem landing the plane, um, you know, talkative Toms, those guys always show up. Um, and it's not always the right time. It's like, God, what does his heart need? Does he just need to be listened to? Maybe it's next month I address it in a very indirect way or a loving way. But what happens also often after Fight Club is that I can get the guy aside or others can get the guy aside and lovingly wrap our arms around him and and give him what it was he was craving by telling his story, you know, in the particular way that he was. I think some guys are just afraid that if I don't take advantage of this opportunity to tell my story, I'll never be able to tell it again. Yeah, for sure. Scarcity, right. And, and sometimes what we're doing is we're teaching because it's not just what the guy says, it's how he says it. If he gets frantic in the way that he's speaking, you get to be curious about like, wow, like <laughs> Rob, man, did people listen to your story growing up? Because I just, you know, as you were telling your story, how you were telling your story, you just, it, I could, I could, um, it, it, is it correct that maybe you felt like we were going to run out of time for you? Have, has, is that a familiar feeling to you? you know? Jay, you'll literally have that sort of conversation sometimes right in the midst of the group. Sometimes because that's going after him. That's loving right. them. I mean, God's right. giving us visibility and something that this man can't see. Yes. And there's inevitably other guys around the circle who have the exact same battle. Right. So no guy's story and sharing of that story is just for them. Everybody right. else is going, is, is going to relate to it. Yeah, and that's where I really appreciate what you're both describing is a, is a sacred space for a lot of practice. Yes. A lot of practice where men have not had the opportunity to practice these skills. And also there's this a lot of reciprocity. There's a lot happening in me indirectly through another man's story. Yes. And so when we start 
tuning in, as you said, Jay, to the Holy Spirit's leadership over my life, there can be times where I can receive a great amount from God without ever saying anything. Whereas maybe I'm used to being the one that has a lot to say. So right. just the dynamics of what you're creating and coaching and, and just giving guys at bats, right? They're just getting more reps. They're getting more chances and there's a lot of room to make mistakes. That's another theme I'm hearing from both of you, Brian and Jay failure is one of the primary building blocks of masculine initiation. Failure was meant to be something very positive, but the modern culture we live in has, has relinquished so many opportunities to fail. And, and we have such a success shaped culture. We, you know, failure is, um, unfamiliar to a lot of men in their ordinary everyday life as far as permission that they give themselves um, to have, to, to experience. But in masculine initiation, failure is always an essential storyline. What I'm hearing you both describe is you're actually creating an environment where men can fail with the stakes being small. And you can circle back to them. And like I heard you say, Jay, sometimes it's public, but then sometimes it's offline because you hope he'll come back. And, and, and there's a the time where you lovingly can kind of give a man some feedback to say, hey, can, can, can I just make an observation for you in love? You're fighting for his identity. You're honoring the man. You're treating him with respect and dignity and the kind of thing that makes him want to come back. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's something to do very fearfully. Like I, I realize I, I, what I mean is I have a history. Like this is part of my healing personally is because in my story, I know what it looks like to not have a voice. I know what it looks like to fear to lead. I know what it looks like to do damage to other people's souls. I know what it looks like to constantly compare myself to other people, to feel like I have to have something to say. And as I'm, I'm just calling myself the facilitator, not the leader. I just set the table. I'm just the host. But people are looking to me for leadership. And that's actually another big component to this is how much of this is a, you know, a round table where there is no leadership and how much leadership is actually required of somebody who's lighting the fire. But God is giving me the opportunity to work through all of my fears, all of my brokenness and the false self, all of my strategies for making life work. And he's putting me in a circle with other men where I can abuse them and I can take leadership and I can, I can try and uh, set myself as the center of attention like I did many, many years ago. And I, I don't want to be that guy anymore, but I also want to help other men be set free yes. and learn to tell their stories. And so God literally puts me between these two blocks and says, you've got pressure from the false self, the old you, and there's pressure to step into new territory that feels uncomfortable for you and be the leader because you don't trust yourself to facilitate and love other people. Well, you're just going to have to trust me. And you're going to have to speak courageously in this circle of men. And when I have the courage to do that, I find a piece of my heart that I did not know was there. Yeah. I'm growing. I'm learning. And that's why I kind of go back to what I said in the very beginning. This is helping me work out my salvation with fear and trembling. It's very complex, <laughs> and I'm constantly through the course of the fire going, Jesus, what do you want me to say? <laughs> do you want me to do anything at all? I'm constantly well, aware of what's going on inside my heart, and I'm taking that to Jesus and him saying, either step aside 
or step in. I, I hear the complexity. And at the same time, I hear constantly going back to simplicity. Yeah. Like you guys in Emmett, Brian, like you started simple. And I hear you saying, we just keep going back to simple. We just keep going back to simple because yep. yes, these are deep waters. Yes. It's a dynamic environment to walk with God. But at the end of the day, what gives this sustaining power is the model is really simple. And this is what God loves to do, right? This is what excites God. God is energizing the work entrusted to your care. So while it's complex in that, I hear you saying, Jay, you're constantly learning, you're constantly growing, constantly making tweaks. It's also as simple as it was on day one in creating an environment that honors men where God is the center. And it's a, the honor to listen, to share, and to be heard. Mm -hmm. And I will say, I quote you all the time. I always say, guys, yeah, I will <laughs> always say, guys, this is sandbox. There's no right or wrong. Totally. One, of, one of the huge focuses of our time is learning to hear God's voice and discern what his voice sounds like. I feel that's one of the most important things for me as a son to be learning in the hour that we find ourselves in. And what I'm able to offer genuinely and authentically is only out of my own journey where I am. Yeah. So when you begin stepping into, into that type of territory where you're, you're helping men discern God's voice, you have to give, it has to be sandbox because men are so afraid of getting it wrong and the penalty exactly. of it, you know? So that's a huge element to what we do. So yes, it's sandbox learning to tell your story. This is a safe place for you to learn to tell your story because the world is dying to hear your story. We want to help each other learn to tell it and hear God's voice together. Jay, one of the, one of the ways that we do that we've learned is that we've started to learn the difference between vulnerability and transparency as a leader, meaning mm -hmm. if I'm going to lead a fire, and I got a couple of stories to go with it, I could be transparent pretty easily and talk about 20 years ago how I find how I found Jesus and you know and and I went through hell and I and He healed me. But that's 20 years ago. It didn't have any. There's no skin in the game. There's no cost. Leading from vulnerability, there's cost. It doesn't mean you share everything with everybody. But when you come into an environment that's masculine, that needs to be led, you're walking with what you're walking with God lately, uh, vulner in, in vulnerability. Um, you know, the example would be, well, recently I, I, am, I had a, a big blowout with my son about sports and traveling. And, well, what, what did I open up with um, at the fire the other night? Well, I messed up. I blew up at my son. We got in a fight about the cost of sports and clubs and traveling and what the priorities are and i blew it i blew it this way and that way and this way and guys i don't have it put together but i'm going to lead in vulnerability from where i'm walking with god because he's going to correct me and he's going to choose relationship over and with my son over any disagreements we have over sports over clubs whatever he's going to choose our relationship every single time and we we've, we've learned that if we're coming from vulnerability, um, it just sets the tone and helps helps our heart heal in our journey, but also gives guys permission to go to the places where God wants to heal in them. And it's not just this five points to freedom with no skin. It, it's all in. Now, um, an example, you know, we, we had, we had uh, some family members. Sometimes we'll see brothers come. To Sometimes we'll see fathers and sons come. And it's always loaded. And it's always epic because these guys have so much history together. And there are there a few brothers who would come and they'd sit six, seven, eight months. They'd come and they'd sit and they'd listen and they'd pass on Sharon and they'd cry. And finally, we're like, okay. And we're sharing vulnerably and we say, okay, guys. And one of our, we didn't have to say anything. One of our other guys was like, Boys, I've heard from you for a long time. I want to hear from you. And they'd open up about a very religious experience 
dramatic where they would earn lots of money for their family and the, the religious uh, section they were in would take the money for themselves as, as property of, of the religion versus what they had. And it created this huge, huge distrust for fathers and elders in their family and in their religion. And that it, it was to a point they didn't, they didn't even know they could had a voice and they didn't even know they could speak up. Wow. Come full, yeah. Come full circle, sitting in a fire. They talk now. They cry. They encourage. They after seven months of silence, they're, they're, they're the first ones to go over to a guy and validate him and put an arm around him and said, "Hey, I've been there. You're doing a great job speaking up. Mm. Your heart matters. Your heart matters." And when it's all sandbox, Jay, like Jay's saying, it is all sandbox. You don't know what brothers, what fathers and sons are walking in. We had another father son. One of the fathers was was um, doesn't have very many years left to live. And had a lot of stuff he wanted to say to his son. And his son had a lot of stuff what he wanted to say to his father. Guess what? It never got told mm. anywhere else. But for some reason, they could come into an environment in a barn in Emmett, Idaho, and have an exchange with each other that was for eternity. I love you. You love me. I'm sorry. Forgiveness. Um, things that should have been said 20 years ago were being said. And that's that shepherding. That's that... Give and take. That's it. All right, Jesus, let's give him room. Let's get and let's give him permission. And you know what? We do screw up. We mess up sometimes. But if one son and one father and one brother to another brother, if they find healing and they and they start to walk with the Lord and their hearts hearts become healed and they, they start to give that away to other people, we win. But the fire is all about risk. The sandbox is all about play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes you got to just go for it and know that, you know what? I probably shouldn't have dropped three F bombs in that sentence. I probably should have dropped one. <laughs> and maybe I, maybe I was posing out of my church hurt because I was hurt. Someone triggered something and I got real disingenuous and my poster came out. I apologize. I'm having full humility to the group. Um, other times you just need to drop the F bomb because mm-hmm. religious spirit needs to be blown up. And, um, the balance of walking with God uh, is just the number one thing. Number one thing. So let me ask you guys. Um, I'm listening. I'm enticed. I'm still, still in the dark as to what a night actually looks like. I hear the heart of it, of what takes place. But is there a flow? Is there a pattern where every month... This is the gathering. This is, you know, it starts at this time. I mean, it sounds like these could go for five hours, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> what if a guy doesn't have five hours? Can you guys walk me through the structure, the, 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 the container that holds the heart of what we're talking about? You know, Morgan, I know for me, um, we, you know, we start at 6.30 and at 8.30. It's a hard out for anybody that wants to leave, but people linger. They have permission, but it's a hard out out of respect for people's time. We start at 630. We establish the rules that Jay was just laying down so well. Our, our rules are very, very similar. No preaching, no teaching, no advice, story rules. We go over our core values every single time to remind to remind guys. But then something we always do every time out of the flow that's really important is uh, consecration prayer. And Jay and I have been riffing on how to do this and other guys who've been on there, Ryan Rupsum and how to do this well. And, and we do it different. God's led, led our guys to do it a little bit different, but consecration has been such a core part of our group that we don't want to ever start a fire without consecrating. And, and the way we do it in Emmett is that um, a couple of different ways, but generally we start, you know, I ask the guys to, Hey, can you, can you imagine, can you just think about the time where you were most loved? whether that's in your father's arms, your mother's arms, where were you most loved? What did it feel like? Where were you? Go back to the memory where you were, how did it feel? And and we pause. We pause because some guys 
don't have a real good loving memory. So there's, we balance that too, but we pause and we let God kind of come and we slow down our pace. We put our phones away and we just give people time to breathe in his peace and breathe out the stress. And when that's done, we say, guys, it's, we're, we're going to visit the father right now. And, and, and in that, what you remember can be today. He's that good. But first of all, we're going to consecrate and we're going to name the adversary and name the accuser that's coming against you. And I say, guys, with one or two words, when you came down the hill, you drove into this driveway, you pulled up to the corral, you stepped in some shit on the way into the barn. What what do you feel? What's coming against you? What's stopping you from accessing that memory where you're fully loved? And guys will say, you know, inevitably, stress, hurry, comparison, I'm not enough, um, you name it. And guys will start to name by one name the things coming against them. By, and by naming the adversary, we've just invited guys in to talk to God and to let him come, whether they have a grid for it or not. And the guys that come into the barn in Idaho are religious, non-religious, charismatic, LDS, a Baptist, Jehovah Witness, right out of the AA meeting. It's a mixed bag. And that's okay because God's going to meet them all. And we invite them to do that. They name their adversary. And we break all our agreements with those. We untie our wagons. We un- we unhitch our souls from that adversary that's been named and unnamed. And any of those feelings that come up that then get said. And then we ask Jesus, what do you want to do? And I say, guys, we want to practice this presence right now. And he's, the sheep know his voice. <laughs> Jesus, what do you want to do? I say, guys, we've never done that before. If you're feeling something, it's your time to say one or two words. What's he want to do? Inevitably, joy. Mm-hmm. Inevitably, freedom, happiness. I just want to, I just want to slow down. And they start to name what Jesus wants to do. And it, it, it always is a rally around the desires, the good desires, the, the fruits of the spirit in their heart. And everybody in that circle gets to hear that person name that. Mm-hmm. And the things that were named start to form themes and give hope right there, right at the beginning of the meeting. You've named what's coming against you. Now you've asked Jesus whether you have a grid for this or not. We're doing it even if you haven't said anything. You're feeling this. And then we get to name the things that Jesus is naming. No one's left ever. <clears throat> it's risk. I said, Jay, we're going to consecrate in front of non-believers. Yep. Okay. And we started doing it at our fires and no one's ever left. And number two, guys that have no grid for it will say, I just felt God. Wow. And then we go into, um, once we're done consecrating, we'll take a, uh, we'll take a potty break. Um, and we'll tell them about podcasts and things we're doing. We'll we'll give them a copy of Wall of Heart and Becoming a King if they haven't already have one of those. We'll point them towards resources like Bean Sons, and then we'll get right into it. And with us, if it's 12 or less guys, it's a simple question led through vulnerability, not transparency. Myself, Jeremy Morris, uh, Doc, Mike Evanson, uh, we'll share a story, a short five minute. This is what I'm going through. My kids and I got in a fight over this, and I mishandled their heart. This is what I did, and I felt really behind here. I don't know if you guys can relate, but have you guys ever felt behind? And what does that reveal in your story? Go. And we set the ship in the middle, and it's an open discussion. Um, Other times, if it's 12 or above, sometimes last time we had 28 guys, and it gets you have to use all the skills that Jay was talking about. Yeah. And um, we've, lately we've been doing check-ins on a scale of one to 10 guys, 10 being your greatest. You probably um, had some intimate time with your wife. Um, number one, you're not feeling at all good in your soul. Where are you? One to 10. Tell us and tell us why go. And we'll give everybody a chance to buy in. They can mm-hmm. pass, but we'll give everybody a chance to buy in in a big group. Uh, to kind of manage, you know, time. And that's how our kind of, that's how the night kind of flows with um, in the Barnes and Emmett. And at least recently, and we'll change it up here and there. Sometimes we'll do Becoming the King or Wild at Heart themes and we'll ask questions from those. Um, 
they're just loaded anyways. But more often than not, as they get bigger and people start coming and they're already loaded when they come in. And as soon as you consecrate, they're ready to go to their story and lead others, others along too. Um, and so that's a pretty good flow. And, but, but other sidebar at the end, eight 30 hard out, you're released to go respect for the other man, respect for family, respect to those that matter the most. And we pray the, and we just pray the cross of Christ between us and anybody's trauma that we've heard that we've come against all the emotions, all the, vulnerabilities all the warfare we play the cross of christ between us and, and each other's man we send it right back to the judgment seat of christ and we and we um and we seal it by the holy spirit and, and we release guys and more often than not half the group stays and lingers but Jer- the leader we, we pop smoke we're a lot of times we're out of there <laughs> and we're exhausted yep. and we have guys in our tribe that that carry that pray for each other that minister that carry on and um and we're just we're blessed that way. That's beautiful. Glad to glad to hear that, Brian. That's awesome. Jay, for you guys, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of similarities. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. Assuming it's very similar, what distinctions have evolved for you guys that you would say is your, you know, this happens every time. This is our flow. It's it's actually pretty similar. And I think it has to be, um, you know, if, if those are your guiding the fight club rules or, you know, your core values, well, you're just simply following those core values and, and they kind of make your evening look a particular way. Um, for us, it's seven to 10 o'clock. Um, sometimes we'll end a little bit early. Uh, but I think I just want to give guys the opportunity to come and to linger. I mean, three hours sounds like a long time for anything. It's There's no magic number to that. But what I know is that lots of guys at 10 o'clock, they're going to hang around that fire and continue talking. I've had conversations till three or four o'clock in the morning with guys, you know, that's not always. And sometimes I'm just like, you know, you guys, I'm like, I, I just don't have anything left in the tank. I got, I have to go in and I have to cuddle with my wife tonight, or I've got a conversation, you know, that I need to have in the house. I welcome, I'll give guys 15 minutes to show up, get comfortable. I will always have a Yeti full of water and beer. Uh, I will always have a humidor with cigars and at around 7.15, I will personally welcome everybody. And I will say, here's why we're doing this is because I grew up in church. I grew up knowing things about God. I even spent a lot of time doing things for God. But there was a point in my searching that, and in my desperation that God revealed to me that the secret life that I was wanting came through the identity of sonship. And I said, that was a new category for me. And I didn't know what it meant. I I immediately asked God, what does that look like to be a son? And I'm just very honest. I always share in brief my story. Why are we here? Why do we continue to gather once a month? And I say, I know I have enough evidence that the secret to the life that I want is not in being a Christian. It's not in being merely a believer. It's not in being a churchgoer. It's in being a son. And shortly into my into my rescue, I realized I can't do this on my own. I have to have other men to do that. So I'm glad you're here. Welcome to Fight Club. You are an official member of Fight Club, even if you never come back again. You don't have to come back every month. There's no curriculum. This is not formal at all. Uh, we are simply going to gather once a month, and we are going to be curious about what it looks like to be a son. We're going to share our stories. We're going to share our journeys together because we're better together than we are apart. So that said, really glad you're here. Here are the Fight Club rules. Go over the Fight Club rules. And then I'm just always kind of led by the Spirit. But the next thing that I do is always either systematic consecration and like you were saying, Brian, inevitably in the whole process of systematic consecration – 
the aspect of that consecration that men have the most hard, most difficulty with is asking Jesus for what they really want at the very end. Like they'll be go hard, you know, into the warfare and identifying things. And they say, okay, guys, now it's time to ask Jesus what you want. And oftentimes it'll go dead silent. And that's so revealing that we're afraid to ask God for things or we're not, we're so out of touch with our own hearts that we don't even know what we want. Again, like I never know where this is all going to go ever. And that's actually part of the deal that God and I made seven years ago when he said, do this with me as a partner. I'm going to make it lightweight. I'm going to make it low maintenance. And I said, Jesus, I don't want to have to prepare a sermon or anything. I just want to be able to show up and I want to share what is going on with me. And if that's enough, okay, I'll do it. I just don't have a lot of time to prepare for anything. So he's like, absolutely, that's all That's all I've wanted. So, so there will be some systematic consecration. And I like the way, Brian, you talked about giving guys a creative way to, to allow themselves to be seen. So I will often start with a question, kind of like, okay, in a word or in a phrase, I want you to describe how you're doing. I will have them do a breathing exercise. I will allow them to go s- deeply quiet. I will say to get still and to be observant inside yourself doesn't mean you have to make your mind and your heart a tomb where you can't hear anything or see anything. Like allow the birds and the crickets and everything, allow all that to come to the surface, but allow yourself to get still inside and ask yourself the question, how am I doing? If you were to have one word or one phrase to to let us know how you're doing, then write that down. And then I will allow, allow, I will invite the men to go around the circle and say, my name's Jay. And I am feeling this way uh, right now, or this is what's said against me. So in a sentence, only a sentence, otherwise it will go into, you know, the whole night will be taken up by that. Only in a sentence, uh, describe how they're doing it. And I will often say, okay, we're going to do a fab. I feel blank about blank because blank. And that gets them, that forces them to think, how am I feeling? What am I feeling this about? And what's the root cause of that? And then inevitably, over the course of the evening, I'll come back to that question again. After we've had time with God, or after we've done some exercises of listening to God's voice, and I'll ask the question again, okay, God, you know me better than I know myself. You tell me, how am I feeling? What am I feeling this about? And why am I feeling it? So uh, so they'll introduce themselves. Then I'll share, like Brian, I will share something that's really vulnerable. Like God does not allow me to get very historical unless it's here's what I'm feeling right now. And God's over the course of the last week or the last few days, he's been inviting me to think about all the times over the course of my story that I have felt this way before because he's uncovering a theme Why? Because as a son, as my loving father, he wants to invite me to take that narrative to him. And so I will share whatever's going on. I will often present a scripture and say, this is what he's drawn me to. He's drawing me into the scripture. And guys, I've actually not processed this because I want to process this here in real time with you guys tonight. So here's the question. How or when or where have you felt this particular way before? And then I will lead men through a manual prayer, some other forms of prayer, listening for God's voice. After we have gone through those exercises, every man's got a journal. I've actually got, you know, cheap journals and pens and everything like that. Uh, some guys use their phone. I hate the technology, but man, there are some guys, they're just young and they, it's not even a category for them to, to write on paper. So they literally are like hearing God's voice and typing it on their phones. I'm like, I don't know how they do that, but God bless them. That's not my battle to fight. And then I say, this is by invitation only. I want to invite you to share all or even a piece of what, of the conversation that you just had with Jesus. And then we'll go around 
And that just unlocks all this stuff because inevitably when you invite God into the conversation, he goes deeper, he goes higher, he's so much more curious. Lots of times his answers are, are questions. And as you go around, they're sharing just briefly, all the guys already know, everybody has to have time to share. So I'm going to share for two minutes, three minutes. And so that's that's their allotted portion. And we all go around it. And then it's just opened up anybody who wants to share in alignment with, with whatever it is, the topic that we've been talking about. So inevitably, the focus is on sonship and the father-son bond and how the father through Jesus wants to come for us. And and um, really, it's about a reorientation. This is the story that I'm telling myself. First, I need to hear it. I need to write it down and accept that this is the broken story that I'm taught, that I'm telling myself. And then, okay, Jesus, what do you have to say about that story? Jay, Brian, again, what I'm hearing that's so good is there's these, there's a universal way of doing a fire. There's a universal way of hosting the space of maintaining it, of creating an environment where men want to keep coming. And there are distinctions, you know, Jay, I, I'm, I'm just aware you are a teacher at heart and you're, you're in a particular culture in San Antonio, Texas. And Brian, you know, you're on the rough side of town. <laughs> up in Emma, Idaho. And there's a lot of people showing up that don't really have much of a basis in the category of an intimate relationship with God. And so what I really appreciate is the flavor, right? That these, they, they share things in common and there's also room to allow it to really be led by God in a way that's life-giving, you know, a way that's life-giving and generative to every man. And I love that you guys go back to the guidelines, you go back to the core values, you go back to the rules every time to keep, you know, the major theme, major themes, the major. So let me ask you a few quick questions. And then I want to close on where guys can keep learning from you. But quick questions, um, like how often are there new guys? If you're meeting monthly, are, are there new guys every month or is this more of a regular fellowship yeah it was it's both morgan for for me as well uh we because it's both there is a regular fellowship and we got 20 guys that'll show up all the time we had to we had to go to more dates so we meet mondays and wednesdays in the second week of the month and then wednesdays on the fourth week of the month and so we have three times a month and i'm not always there and Jeremy's not always there. And Mike's not always there. And we got a core group that backs us up and leads. And um, and there's new guys every single time because of that. And uh, it's really a, you know, it's really a shared leadership burden for that fire. And it's also shared welcoming and shared uh, hands open to all the new guys um, that are coming. So, Brian, just to be clear. The target is a monthly gathering for any guy, but you're hosting from your fellowship three times a month because you want every guy to come once a month, but you have a maximum number of men that you found are good around one fire. Is that correct? That's exactly right. You know, Morgan, our currency is intimacy. And to have that, you need you need some of the same guys to come um, and to build that trust and relationship. But at the same time, you, you want room for the new guys. You want room for the hopeless man to find hope. So that's why uh, we ask guys just to come once a month and, to, and maybe to bring a new guy on the, on the second, second day of the month, per se. That's great. Hmm. Um, for uh, Fight Club, it's, it's guys that have been there regularly for years. And then I often get asked, hey, can I bring somebody of course, always. And um, once they come, I, I will always extend to them the invitation. You can always come back. Some, some guys, I'll see them, and then I won't see them again for another six months, and then they'll come you know, for six months, and then they won't come for six months. I don't know what's going on in their world, but they come when they need it. You know, the number of times that I've heard men say, the Lord 
I didn't know it was the Lord, but he told me to come tonight. And this is why I got exactly what I needed tonight. And we do invite, it doesn't have to be believers. I mean, I, I love it when non-Christians come. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> We're just going after Jesus. We literally take it in the most non-religious direction we possibly can so that we can be attractive, so that Jesus is attractive to everybody and that our authentic selves are the one that what's being presented. And, and most men actually stay away from church because they hate inauthenticity. So really, that's that's the goal. Yeah, it's good, Jay. I hear the, the major theme is authentic yeah. masculinity, which is from God, right? Like yeah, that's absolutely. the core of our theology. And when we're creating an environment that honors the man as an image bearer, um, everything else is secondary. God shows up. God loves it. Yeah, it's so good. One one other question. So <clears throat> um, this sounds very open in a sense of actually encouraging for other men to launch fires. Have you guys seen a fire come out of your fire? Have you guys seen that effect of this multiplying? Yeah, that's the reason I only host it once a month is because part of God's encouragement for me to host campfires in the first place is he said, you've been coming out of uh, boot camps where there's 50, 60, 70 men. You need to create a smaller way to mobilize men because every man who comes wants their own band of brothers. So you need to create a community where men can be seen, tell their stories, and they can form bands of brothers. So there's several other fires that are taking place within driving distance of me right now. Beautiful. So even if I don't host for a month because I've got some other mission that I'm on, they can go to this other guy's fire or this guy's fire or this guy's fire locally. But there's also guys around the world right now who are hosting these things. And I think they're experiencing some of the same growth. Yeah. Uh, Jay I'm, and Morgan, I'm same way. We, we want to give hope to the hopeless man and our barn's full <laughs> per se. It mm -hmm. is brim full. And so we will do, we have a whole strategy to give hope to the hopeless man and the ground, the ground, the ground floor are to have more fires. So men can experience brotherhood on a whole nother level. So they have community to walk with God. And to do that, we've seen them pop up in Wyoming, Arkansas, North Dakota. Uh, we've had two retreats, and out of those retreats, guys want to start fires, and they want to spread what they've just experienced and the and the encounter they've had with God. And um, we're starting to do we're starting to get a lot of um, you know a lot of interest in how to start a fire and having this conversation right here that we're having. They're going to be the first to download and and add it to the repertoire of tools and reps on, on how to, how to have a fire. So good guys. I think, um, you are modeling the recovery of the gospel for the heart of a man lived in authentic community in our age on the earth. And Tim Keller is one of the most prominent pastors of this past generation and pastor, you know, redeemer prez. And he said in all humility, now that he's in his 70s, he said, what worked for our generation will not work for your generation. And he said, I don't know what will. That's what you'll have to figure out. And guys, the, the face of church is changing. The model is changing. People are needing community. They're needing restoration. They're needing God manifesting in their neighborhood. And the fires are a primary way that it's happening. And so like you, I have heard stories from around the globe of these organic God-led movements rising up of monthly gatherings of men around a flame. So thank you for sharing your story. And as we wrap up, I know there are guys listening saying, okay, um, I'm tracking with you, but I want to take another pass or I want a, a little bit more intel on how to do this. Wild courage, being sons, where would they drink from the stream that you have to learn more about a fire from, from the ministries that have been birthed out of uh, 
what, you know, what's entrusted to your care? How do they find you guys? For us, they can just go to beingsons.com and one of the links is events. They can just go to fight club. They can see a description of what fight club is. And then there is a, a link on that page. Are you interested in hosting a campfire? And then that will take them to a page that has a host of resources. I've got a four episode uh, podcast. I've got a video that kind of describes so that they can visually see that I don't live on the perfect piece of land. I am trapped in suburgatory and how simple it is to set up. And then I've got um, a, a PDF that I created that's simply called How to Host a Fight Club. And they can download that PDF. And I also, if they uh, basically register and, register and show interest, I will alert them when I have training calls or I gather men who are interested in coming together, talking about their experiences with Fight Club with the dual purpose of one, hearing stories from men who are doing it yeah. uh, all over the globe so that those people who are thinking about doing it can hear those stories and discern for themselves, you know, what they, how they want to move forward. They can ask questions. And I've also got some uh, pre-recorded training Zoom calls that I will give anybody who asks access to so that they can look and see all the frequently asked questions and basically mock fight clubs that we've done on Zoom calls. And you listeners, I've been through all the resources Jay just described, the podcast, the PDF download, the video on YouTube. It's exceptional. It's so helpful to get you launched. Everything you need is there. So check out those resources with Being Sons and Fight Club. Brian, how about you guys in Wild Courage? Yeah, I think a, a great place to start is thewildcourage.life is our website, thewildcourage.life. And it walks you through how to contact us. There's a little video on there, uh, what we're going on. There's a map of where fires are. Um, and there's also a couple, the other resource that's really good, that is good for the heart per se, is the Wild Courage podcast. That's on Spotify, Apple, everywhere. Jeremy Morris hosts that most of the time. And it's it's stories that are going to capture probably anything any one of us has been through. Stories of healing from addiction, brokenness, sexual brokenness, uh, suicide, uh, all kinds of trauma, all kinds of redemption where the father's come for his sons and pulled them out of it. Um, we Our number one response to that podcast are the wives of the husbands that are going through some crap right now because they're finding hope. Oh, there's someone else out there like in my situation, I can find hope and redemption and help me. And so that's a great place to go is that podcast. There's stories from all, it's long form and um, probably good for a road trip, but there's redemption at, at every one of those. And some of the folks you guys are going to know, um, uh, yeah, cause they're pretty local, you know, hopefully we're going to hear from Morgan on there soon. <laughs> um, but uh, anyways, uh, we also have some retreats. Uh, we do retreats twice a year. Uh, there'll be information about those on the website, of course. And then we also do some Zoom calls, and they're getting more popular about how to host a fire. Um, yeah. Brothers, thank you. Thank you for becoming the kind of men that could be entrusted with the work that God has entrusted to your care. Brothers, the joy of this is this has been happening. It's a grassroots, God-led, God-fueled movement of fires, men gathering, authentic masculinity, everyone welcome to the fire. It's been happening for seven years in communities all across the U.S., and it is available to you. We're inviting you to come join the revolution, to seed the revolution with us. There are fires being hosted, and we've just started online to gather the fires that we know about and make those available to you all. But there are a lot of areas that have yet to have a fire established, and we're using this podcast series as the official launching point. And so perhaps God is enticing 
you to take a risk, to say, I've had enough of teaching. I've had enough formality. I've had enough religious organization. What I need is a space to be real. What I need is a space to just show up as I am. What I need is what Jay Heck described as a place where even if I'm shepherding, even if I'm hosting, I get to receive along with every man. What I need is to offer the kind of space that if there's a man in my community that's thirsty for more of God, that wants to become more of a son, there's an answer. There's a way of saying, yes, come with me. Come sit with me in the time out of time of a fire. All you have to do is show up and be yourself. Invite God in. We have put together sort of a launching kit of resources to help make it really simple for you. It's all at wildatheart.org forward slash fires. Everything is downloadable. We've got a PDF fire starters kit. We've got the guidelines that you can read to your men every time that create a soul safe space for men to share and to receive. What we're doing is fueling the fire by offering free copies of Becoming a King and Wild at Heart for every new guy that attends a fire. It's a grassroots movement, so we're doing our best, but that's our dream. We've stocked our warehouse. This is meant to be grassroots. It's meant to be spirit-led. It's a low-bar atmosphere for men to be men. Permission. All are welcome. And so my question is, would you take a risk alongside of us? I hosted a fire two weeks ago and the freedom, the joy, we were bundled up in layers. We had wild weather coming through Colorado. It was spring, but it was quite cold. And there was just something so joyful about men huddled around a fire right in the middle of suburgatory. And yet, as the sun set and the flames grew taller, there was a space of just risking with each other, of knowing, being known, laughter, tears, and some true sense of transparency and also transcendence just swept us up into um, just a better version, a truer version of ourselves. Uh, deeper access to the heart of God. And I walked away from that fire just picturing hundreds of fires around the globe. This is real. This is available. This is happening. And we want you to come join us. So I want to invite you to go to wildatheart.org forward slash fires. And you can also check out Being Sons and Wild Courage and Wild Sons. We have allies all around the globe that are doing this, their own version of it. And so Wild at Heart's coming alongside to champion these other like-hearted organizations and to offer branding guidelines uh, for men that aren't a part of an organization yet and need some shepherding, need some care. We're coming to offer that strength. And so friends, with that said, I want to close this episode turning into Psalm 1. Psalm 1 gives us the fruit of what it feels like when we are nurtured and nourished by the life of God. And I think that's the best way to summarize what is the effect on my life as a man when I'm out of fire. And I feel nourished. I feel nurtured. I feel the validation. It was worth the risk, it was worth the cost. In Psalm 1, it says that person who is nourished, who is fed by the life of God, is like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding fruit in its season. Its leaves do not wither, and whatever they do, they prosper. Friends, in this 90 seconds, as we close this episode, I want to invite you 
to open your heart, even in this moment, to be nourished and nurtured by the heart of God. Let the Spirit come and nourish you so that you can be more a tree planted by streams of water, more a tree yielding fruit in its season, more a tree whose leaves do not wither, more one who prospers. Take 90 seconds, receive nourishment, receive nurture from heaven and let your soul be strengthened. Pray about engaging in a fire and we'll be back together soon for another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast.